Good morning. Are y'all feeling the presence of God this morning? Yes. If you're not, let me know. Let me know. Because we know that as God responds, God responds to our action. As we pursue him and engage him, as we talked about last week, his manifest presence shows up. And that's when we begin to feel God in this place. And so it's that action that causes God to respond. And so if you're not feeling God, you might want to work on that action. Y'all feel me? Yes. Okay. Well, we're going to help you with that today. I love you. I love you. I'm just, I'm just trying to get you freed up. Man, because there's freedom in worship. And when we worship God with everything that he's created us for and to be, then something just begins to change. Life begins to change. Atmosphere changes. Everything changes. Before I move forward, I want to encourage you guys, if you have not registered for the men's night this Friday night, listen, get get registered. No, seriously, this is what you're going to see. We're going to have some axe-throwing contests. We're going to have a a brim fishing contest, contest, cornhole, some kind of fishing contest, cornhole. We might have a little bit extra. We'll have some barbecue out there. You know, you probably need this to chop off your part of the brisket. It's going to be really barbarian style. Don't come with plates. No plates when men are involved, guys. Come on. Anybody know how to catch an axe? (laughs) Keith, you would. Just in case somebody falls asleep, just know what's happening. (laughs) All right. Men's night, don't, don't forget it. Hey, uh, in, in July, we're going to start first and third Wednesday nights right here, 630. We're going to start to really plow into the Word of God. We're going to have discipleship nights on the first and third Wednesdays starting in July. It's going to continue into August and through our tribes, uh, tribe season as well. Get plugged in. Don't forget about that. I, you're going to hear a lot more about that. But we, we really want to get the body of Christ discipled and developed and understanding the word and knowing how to understand and dive into the word. So it's important. And I'm telling you, it's going to be an immersion, an immersion in the word of God. We're not going to mess around. And so we're going to connect where you are and take you deep into the word of God. And so men, we need to know, we need to be able to be on that track. I've got some more things I'm going to share with you guys, you men, at the men's night that's going to lead into uh, our next tribe season, which is fall. And so I really have a heart. God has burdened me this summer with a heart to really bring our men together and really start to develop men in the Word of God. And so uh, be ready for that. Be looking for that. Also, Despo Conference, we've got that filled up. There are some students who are going, but they sure could use some financial help. And so if the Holy Spirit puts it on your heart to assist and bless these students to go to the Desperation Conference in mid-July, you can go, you can either give in the envelope that's in the seat back in front of you, or you can go to our website, livewithpurpose.church, and there's a Despo link, Desperation Conference link. You can just give as the Holy Spirit leads you. There's no push on this. Just if he's speaking, and you want to bless a student, it will help them, and we will send it right to them so that they can secure their ticket with us. And so, uh, last thing I wanted to say, today we're, we've transitioned into our message series last week, and we talked about 
on earth as it is in heaven. We discussed the importance, as I alluded to already in the beginning, is knowing the omnipresence, which is all the God is present everywhere, all over the globe. But whenever we have an action of faith, just like we did in worship, his manifest presence shows up. And we're going to build on that today. But it was important that we started this series with understanding the manifest presence of God. Now, Jesus said, I have been with you, but I'm going to send one and he will be in you. And so there's the inner presence of God as well. But whenever we begin to discern what our calling, our gifting, our purpose, the direction, what we have in life, who we're supposed to marry, all these things comes with hearing the voice of God, which is his manifest presence, finding freedom. Finding, finding a path for life, finding direction, finding anything that God has for you. Healing is in the manifest presence of God. And so we're talking this week about his instruments, his instruments. And so we're not talking about these instruments, but we're talking about his instruments. I'm going to break down what his instruments are to you so you begin to understand, wait a minute, I may have, a, have had a different and maybe and misunderstanding in the approach to worship in general. And so as I break this down, I want to show you where worship came from, why it, why it was created, and where it is actually supposed to be going. And so we need to understand in order to get there how important music really is to what happens here on earth. Whether in the secular world or in a spiritual world as, as ours it is very important to understand that the heart or the spirit behind music, behind instruments, behind the lyrics that are being projected out, how important they are and how they can change the environment in which they are released into. They're extremely important, and it's important for us to understand that concept. The circumstances begin to shift when the spirit of the music is in line with the heart of the Father. Circumstances. In heaven, there are actually four living creatures. We sang holy, holy, holy. And in fact, there are four living creatures right now in heavenly places, day and night, singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So if, you're, you, know, if you kind of struggle with some of these songs that repeat themselves you may want to reconsider going to heaven because you're going to hear holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And you're going to hear it again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. Holy, holy. And so you're going to be like, who is, who is pressing, pressing rewind? Nobody. That is the will of the Father that it be sung Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then there's 24 elders who are bowing at the, at the throne of Jesus, the throne of God, and he, they are laying down their crowns. You don't believe me? Let's look at Revelation 4.10. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne of, and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne. So I want you to see this because we're talking about on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the scriptures are full of thy will, God's will. It's God's will that on earth worship looks like what's going on in heaven. Bowing down, 
falling down before him who sits on the throne and worshiping him who lives forever, laying our crowns down, all those good things we did, those accomplishments, those attaboys, those good jobs, those, those raises that we worked so hard for, everything that, we, that comes to mind that Paul says, I forget the things behind both good and bad because I stretch out, I reach for the upward calling of God on my life. Sometimes the crowns we hold on to are actually causing us to not reach and achieve the upward calling of God that's on our lives. Thy will be done, not my will be done. On earth, this is what worship looks like according to Jesus, as it is in heaven. So we will see that worship according to God's will should be just as it is in heaven. We're going to answer three questions today to break down to unearth how we get there on this journey that we have going the next seven weeks. The question number one is this, why did Satan fall? Some people said, and I even heard one guy say today, pride. No, it was actually worship. And you're like, well, that's why I don't worship. No, <laughs> that's, <laughs> you're gonna realize, wait a minute, maybe there's an issue with my worship. Maybe, maybe, maybe I should start worshiping. Isaiah 14, 12, and 15, here's what is a, is a picture of, of, G, uh, of, sorry, of a story in Old Testament that points to Lucifer, points to Satan. There are many Old Testament messianic, messianic ver verses that point to Jesus. There are, many, there, are, there are Old Testament scriptures that portray the heart of Satan. It's clear in this one, oh, how, oh, oh, how you are fallen from heaven, O oh, Lucifer. See, that was his name in heaven. O oh, Lucifer, the son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. Now, you're about to get into what theologians call the five I wills. You know, God's children have the four I wills, and when we take communion, that's what it's based upon as the God's children were being delivered out of Egypt through the wilderness became the four I wills. Well, Satan has five I wills. You know, he's always trying to outdo God's people. He says this, five, the five I wills, they'll actually reveal his heart's intent. He'll, they'll reveal the exact purpose, exact reason that he got cast out of heaven, these five I wills. Look at it. Verse 13 says, For you have said in your heart, talking to Satan, I will ascend into heaven. Now, he's already in heaven. Remember, Paul tells us there's three heavens. I want to be above God in heaven, Satan is saying in his heart. Next one, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit, I will also sit on the mount, which is the mountain, the top of the mountain of the congregation, the mount of the congregation, on the furthest sides of the north. Now, he's above Santa Claus, North Pole, and he's above God. That's his desire. I want to be exalted above God. Number 14, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Not like I will be the most loving, like the most just, like the most graceful, like the most merciful. No, he specifically says, I will be like the most high. Because it is his heart's desire from the beginning to receive worship, to be exalted. Verse 15, the response, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Satan's desire was to be exalted, to be lifted up, to be worshiped like God. 
everything in his heart was to steal worship, take what belonged to God and keep it for himself. He wanted to draw people unto himself. Adam, because of the fall of Adam and Eve, we like to think, and you've heard it say, we have an Adamic nature. Well, actually, Adam had to get his nature from someone. He He initially had nature from his author, God the Father. But the moment he agreed... You see, Satan, sorry, Adam was not the first one to fall. Satan was. So the moment Adam and Eve came into agreement with a lie, they agreed with Satan. They began to take on a new nature. And whose nature was that? Well, this is going to bless you right here. Came into church this weekend, and pastor told me I have a satanic nature. <laughs> but because of, the, because of the fall and because of the agreement... A satanic nature fell upon Adam and Eve. And guess what's been passed down to us at birth? It's that nature that we wrestle with. It's that nature that we struggle with. It's that nature that we were born with. Because once the deceived took on, believed the deceiver, they took on his nature and passed it down. We were born with a nature that wanted to be lifted up. Think about it. In two, there's two battles as a child. We're born the most weak, the most needy, the most desiring. We need when a, such a, a status, a situation that we need others to help us. That's how we're born. And it's, and it's proven that without help, we will become unhealthy, deficient, without, and most oftentimes, die. So we need help. But on this other side, this same battle, this same poor child, this same humble baby also is born with this thing inside that's always crying for attention, desiring and wanting something and someone to come and put attention towards it. And we grow up with these same two battles in our lives. The one, though, eventually says, though I need help, I'll never ask for it. Y'all know. And the other one is, they never did recognize me for my accomplishments. That person, even if it is someone who doesn't like to be, well, be invited, be recognized in public, oh, they desire to be recognized privately. Whether they will ever admit it or not, inside of their hearts, they will come and go wishing they would have been recognized. Because we're always trying to turn the conversation back around to us. Satan was always trying to turn the conversation back around to himself. Jesus, on the other hand, always turned the conversation back around to his heavenly father or the Holy Spirit. Oh, we love the miracles. I only do what I see my father doing, Jesus says. Oh, we love the teachings, Rabbi. I only say what I hear the father say. Oh, don't go. You will never go. Don't say that you're going to go to the cross. I'm going to send another, your comforter, your helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He always deferred to God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. And in the end, he says, you're going to do far greater things than I ever did. He even deferred to us. And the more we become like Christ we too begin to defer either to Jesus or to others because we don't need the recognition. 
We don't need the conversation to be about us. You ever been with that person who's always trying to find a, like a way into the conversation to bring it back to them? You, can you nudge the person that's beside you? Can you nudge the person that's nearby that you think you're thinking about? Don't do it. Have a different conversation at lunch. Have that old, old nature conversation at lunch once you want to be heavenly nature. Even at the end of the Bible, though, Satan is still preparing, desiring to be worshipped. Look at Revelations 13, 4. So they worshipped the dragon. Who's the dragon? Revelations 12, 9 tells us who the dragon is. Now the dragon, the devil, or Satan, right there in Revelations 12, 9. We've covered it before in the last six months. If you're here, you'd have got it. The dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Now, some of you, those last two questions just stood out to you because you're like, that reminds me of something in the Old Testament. That's exactly right. Because it used to be, who is like our God? Who can make war with our God? But in the last days, and the days are coming, where people will worship the beast called Satan, and they will say, who is like the beast? Who is willing to make war with him. Oh, that day's coming. It has to. And I'm going to show you how our negligence is actually allowing this season to be ushered in. And in the end times, you will see it. Matthew 4, 8, he even tried to get Jesus to worship him. Matthew 4, 8. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Verse 9. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Notice the words fall down. Because worship commands an act Worship has to be expressed. Worship, like love, cannot go unexpressed. So if I'm going to say I'm worshiping, then there better be an expression that is leading that thought. You ever heard this story, maybe this joke, maybe it started true and it was so ridiculous it turned into a joke. There's a couple been married for decades a lot, of fru- a, lot of, a lot of frustration and friction in their, in their marriage and a lot, of, a lot of need for counseling. They're sitting in counseling. And after so many frustration, frust- frustrating moments and the inability to really communicate the heart of what the issue is, the lady finally says, I just wish you would say that you loved me. And the man responds, I told you I loved you when we got married and if anything changes, I'll let you know which is why they're in counseling, which is why they're in bondage, which is why they need freedom. Because love, like worship, must be expressed. There must be an action that leads it. There must be something with emotion that is revealed, manifested, made known on the outside. Otherwise, it's not worship. Otherwise, it's not love. 
And the reason we need to know this is because there are people who come into the church and they're unwilling to express their worship to their Savior. Men, I'm going to get you. They say things like, well, I'm not an expressive person. But let your team enter into the Super Bowl and be winning. Let, let your team be... Let your team be in the World Series and be right there on the verge of taking it home. Or whatever genre of life that gets you excited, let you find some success in that area or see it coming and see if you don't get expressive. Can I take it to the other side? Let something that makes you angry take place and see if you don't start to get expressive. Yes. Not only so, we are, men are the greatest determining factor to our families getting saved. Statistically proven, when the father gets saved, it's a 90 some odd percent chance that mother will get saved and all the children in the house, the whole house gets saved. And those children are watching. They need to see a, what a real man looks like. And a real man is one who is dis- willing to say, my love goes to my Jesus first. Because your daughters are watching, men. And you want them to know, you want them to marry a man who is willing to put Jesus first before everything. I know I do. Because I don't want to have to deal with divorce after divorce for my child because I wouldn't raise my hand to a holy God. And our boys are watching too. Number two, who created instruments? Satan didn't. Let me tell you, some people won't even walk into the church that has drums like this. Oh, I'm out. Oh, strings? Nope. That's the devil's work. No. Satan didn't create instruments. God created instruments. These right here that you see behind me are manifestations, main known, revealed objects of what God has created to worship him. I'm going to bring some definition, some understanding to that, so track with me. I'm going to show you another Old Testament passage illustrating Satan. Isaiah 14, 11. It says, your pomp is brought down to Sheol and the sound of your stringed instruments. Now, remember stringed instruments. Ezekiel 28, 11, 16 through 16 says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, this is Ezekiel speaking, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Verse 13, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Now, the king of Tyre existed 3,400 years after the garden moment. But verse 13 says, you were in Eden, the garden of God. So we know he's not literally talking to the king of Tyre. It's a prophetic statement from the Lord through Ezekiel speaking about Lucifer, speaking about Satan as a worship leader. There was only four people in the garden, Adam, Eve, God, and Satan. And he's not talking to Adam. He's not talking to Eve. And it's not God talking to himself. 
There's only one, Satan. Continuing on, every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, the topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes, see the instruments, was prepared for you on the day you were created. Not born, created. They were already prepared for you. God was preparing his instruments for a vessel. Verse 14, you were the anointed cherub who covers. What is a cherub? It's not that little cupid, little angel that flies around on Valentine's Day in a diaper. A cherub is an angel, an angel who covers. It's an archangel. It's an angel who has authority. There are three archangels we, we see in Scripture. Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer was an archangel in heaven. You were perfected. Sorry, I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of of fiery stones. Verse 15, you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Satan. Verse 16, by the abundance of your trading, highlighted trading, I'm going to come back around to that. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. This is taking place in heaven. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O archangel, angel of authority, covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Trading, you'll see this word as merchandising in the King James Version. Let me break this down to you what this means. This is as if you own a retail store and you sell clothing and Jim Bob is a salesman in your store. Well, Jim Bob worked hard that day and he sold $500 worth of clothes. Jim Bob was really proud of himself and he thought, you know what, I deserve at least $150 of this. So Jim Bob goes to your cash register and puts $350 in the cash register and stashes $150 in his pocket. That is called merchandising, trading. So what Satan had done, he was the worship leader, Lucifer, in heaven, supposed to design, purposed, and created to usher worship from the angels to the throne room of God. But instead, he was leading worship. He was retaining some of it for himself, putting it into his own heart, and the rest he was giving to the Father. In that moment, iniquity was found in his heart, and at that moment, he was cast down to earth, merchandising, retaining something that belongs to the Father. Satan was the worship leader in heaven and was supposed to usher worship to God. He was created with instruments. He was created with objects to bring worship to God. There are three pillars in the, the church is built upon. And the three, these three things we do every time that we meet together. There's worship, there's a word, and there's prayer. When, when you're in your quiet time, you should always be entering into worship, prayer, and the word. The church is founded 
on these things. Remember that I said there was three archangels. Michael was an archangel of prayer. In Daniel 3, we see that Michael helped prayer get through. Gabriel, we see he is an archangel of the word. He brought the word of the Lord to Jesus' mother, Mary. You will have a child. This was from Gabriel. He also brought the word to Zacharias to, about John the Baptist. Your wife is going to have a child. You shall name him John. He's like, uh-uh, I'm too old. He couldn't talk anymore until he admitted it. He admitted the will of the Father. Then he was able to talk. Isn't it easier to just go ahead and get with the will of the Father? On earth as it is in heaven. You know where I'm going. Lucifer, there was Michael over prayer. There was Gabriel over the word and Lucifer over worship. Powerful. Isaiah 14, 11, your pomp is brought down to Sheol. I've read this already. And the sound of your stringed instruments. Remember that. Ezekiel 28, 13, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes. Timbrels, think about tambourine. That's a timbrel. It's a percussion. That's a percussion. Your pipes. Three, the, the instruments are made of three things. Percussion, pipes, and strings, and or. Pipes, think about a clarinet, a flute, a trumpet, something that you blow wind through. Stringed instrument, right over here. Harp, violin, bass, electric guitar. Yeah, keys have strings, keyboards. These were all prepared for him on the day he was created. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but we also have the same three instruments. And all instruments are either stringed, wind, or percussion. You're like, well, I don't, where do I have these instruments? Come on with me. You have percussion right here. And in fact, did you know that this is actually a symbol of Satan's skull being crushed? When we clap, it is a prophetic symbol of Satan's skull being crushed. Why do you think, why do you think, why do you think Satan has so much spiritual warfare and keeps you, tries to keep you from clapping in church? Oh, I don't have any strings. What are you talking about? Oh, don't you have vocal cords? And whenever you, you blow through the tube that's in your throat, for some it creates a beautiful noise. Some it's just joyful. <laughs> I'm joyful. <laughs> I'm joyful. Satan was created with instruments and he fell. And then, and then God made you. Isn't that amazing? God will be worshipped. There is, there's more to what happens than when we play instruments than you first realize. There's way more that begins to shift in the environment when you begin to lead from a heart of worship, begin to engage and act, have this faith action, because worship is a faith act, by the way, because otherwise it's ridiculous. Because there, it takes faith to believe in a holy God. It's by faith we are saved through grace. And because of that, well, I want to, I'm thankful. Maybe you had a really good life before you got saved, but not me. I know what I've been freed from. I know where I was going. I know where I'm saved from. And I know why I give it all out back to Jesus. Verse, look at this, verse, verse Chronicles 13, 8. 
Then David and all Israel played music before God with all their might, not just stoically. I guess we will play today. No, they, they sang, they played music before their God with all their might, with singing and harps and strings, instruments, on tambourines and cymbals, and with trumpets. They gave it their all. They didn't hold back. First Chronicles 25.1, Moreover, David and the captains of the army separated for them, their, the service some of the sons of Asaph. By, by the way, Asaph is a worshiper of worship leaders, of Heman and of Judathan, who should prophesy with harps, stringed instruments, and cymbals. David taught his instrumentalists, his musicians, how to prophesy through instruments. When we begin to get into the presence of God, when we, at that faith act, begin to worship God just because of who he is, if he does nothing else in our lives again, because of who he is, the manifest presence of God begins to show up. And when we get into alignment with what he is saying, with his will, when our heart captures his heart, and all of a sudden we're using these instruments in flow of what God the Father is doing, then we begin to prophesy what God is saying from the throne room. This is really good. Because when we get in this place, the will of the Father is now flowing through his vessels, his instruments, and flowing out through the, the cords, the windpipe, and maybe even the percussion because we are saying in our action, yes and amen, to the very thing the throne room of God is saying and declaring, and the atmosphere begins to shift. And all we did to do, thank you, is to get under the will of the Father and say, on earth as it is in heaven. We're saying in our hearts agreement, yes and amen. Second Chronicles 5, 13 and 14 says, Indeed it came to pass when the trumpeters, then singers were as one. You ever been in an environment and all of a sudden the lyrics aren't on the screen, but everybody is singing in unison and even the strings are making a new song. The keys, the drums are making a new song, a song that has not been heard, has not been pre-created, but all of a sudden everybody's moving in one accord. That's a prophetic environment. Because God has now ushered in, been ushered in by our action. Now there's a response from God. The manifest presence is there and everybody is in one accord. That's what he's describing. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound, to be heard and praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice, the trump with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, for he is good. Declarations back to God for who he is, for his mercy endures forever that the house the house of the Lord was filled with the cloud and nobody got upset because fog was entering into the room <laughs> keep that cloud outside sometimes God can't get to us with his manifest presence because he can't fit in that religious box we carry around in our hearts that place is just a little too charismatic for me we didn't do this in my church. He wasn't allowed to do this in your church. And he wasn't allowed to do this. So the priest, so that the priest, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Let it be. Can somebody say yes 
and amen. Let the glory of the Lord fill this house so that we priests, by the way, the scriptures say in the New Testament, you are the priests, not me. You have the holy duties. It's your job to minister to God. But when we minister to God and his glory fills the place and his manifest presence, all of a sudden he begins to turn around and do the ministering. That's when people get healed. That's when inner healing takes place, physical healing. That's when freedom takes place. That's when the bondages of things that you've been going to counseling for decades that couldn't get solved, solve in a minute because the glory of the Lord fills the house and a heart change, a transplant takes place and a mind shift begins to be adopted. And all of a sudden, the problems you came in with don't even exist. They don't mount up to the glory of the Father. And you go out to that workplace and you're like, who are you? I'm a changed man. I'm a man who realized I need to live differently for the sake of my family, for the sake of this community, for the sake of my church, for the sake of others. I realize it's no longer about me. I'm a changed man. So it's, it's way more important to utilize and function in these instruments, his instruments that God prepared for us before we created. So the third question is, what did God do? And I'm telling you, he did way more than you think he did. There's this gap time that theologians call Genesis 1-2, but right after Genesis 1, right before Genesis 1-3, God created heaven and earth. And then Genesis 2, the earth was without form, void, and full of darkness. Theologians believe that that is the moment that Satan was sent to earth because he was merchandising. The earth, formless, means chaos, chaotic. Void, it was just empty. Dark, we know what darkness is. Anybody ever felt that in your life? Yeah, I have. God said initially, let there be, next thing he says, let there be light. And he separated darkness from light, moon and, star, moon and, and sun. And then he says, let's separate the waters. He brought some form. Let there be some mountains. Let there, let there be dry land over here. And then he said, you know what, we need some vegetation. And seeds that were reproducing of themselves begin to grow. Trees, plants, vegetation of all kinds. And then he says, you know what, let's set some stars in the sky so that there be light that governs and there be seasons that are changed by them. Then let's put some fish in the sea because there's going to be some men that want to go to the men's night on Friday night so that they can go to the fishing tournament. Just throw that in there. Then he said, let's put some wild hogs out there and some deer because in the, in the fall, they're going to want to go shoot those things too. And he began to bring fullness to the emptiness. And he took care of the chaos, the emptiness, and the darkness. And Satan showed up and he goes, oh, that's really pretty. I loved all that, those cute little animals. I like how they intermingle like that. It's really good. Got this beautiful place, but who's going to bring you worship? So God scoops down, picks up some dirt, forms it a little bit, blows in it. That's going to be my worship leader. And by the way, he's going to crush your head. 
And Satan, out of fear that he wasn't going to get the very thing that he wanted, which was worship, stolen, that belongs to God, goes and whispers into Eve, and it affects Adam. And he uses the very thing that got him sent out of heaven. And he says, oh, you can be like the Lord Most High, God. And they bought it. And they were sent out of the garden. And then spiritual chaos, emptiness, darkness came back into the earth. But it was spiritual. Until 2,000 years ago, when God yet again said, let there be light. And he sent Jesus. So that in him, we don't have to live in chaos, emptiness, and have a life of darkness. And we are created in the image of God with instruments to worship and praise the Lord. And when we do, then the glory of the Lord comes in and fills this house, then it fills my house, and then it fills this house. Man, I'm way more excited about that than you are. Because I need the glory of the Lord to fill this house. Because in and of myself, I got some jacked up thinking. It feels like chaos. It feels like emptiness. And it feels like darkness without the glory of the Lord. And the glory of the Lord only enters in when I start the act of engagement through worship. And he responds and begins to rewrite all my software. We were in... Honduras last year, whenever the pandemic hit, and we were stuck day one. Great, it's March 14th, and airlines say we'll have another flight May 6th. Oh, no, I got, I got a little boy at home. I don't know how, I'm going home. Every 30 minutes to three hours, there was a different story for the next 10 days. Somewhere in the middle of that, we decided, you know what, maybe we should start worshiping. And so we do. The moment we start worshiping, I have to step out because I'm getting phone calls from Costa Rica, from the Western United States, from Senator's Assistance, Republic, I'm sorry, Representative's Assistance in Texas, uh, Department of Homeland Security in, te in Texas. All of a sudden, when we begin to lay down our own efforts, and raise up our hands to God the Father in praise and worship, everything shifted, and instead of trying to reach out, all the outreaching started to come in. And by the end of the night, at 10 o'clock that same night, a stranger, a missionary who I've never met in my life, calls me and says, hey, Nathan, I think I have a flight for you and your team. How many you got? What's their names? Who are you? Tell you what is an angel of the Lord is who he is. He said, I, I have a friend that I've been ministering to who works for United Airlines, and they contacted me, and they said they think they have a flight that's coming up that we can get you on. I just sent him the names and the information and said, hey, here you go. He didn't say, here, you're going to have to do it. I didn't have to do anything. Here you go. And the next morning I woke up and we had, we had seats on a flight. 
to get back home. Couldn't really rest in peace just yet because Honduras didn't even know about this flight and America didn't know about this flight. This flight wasn't anywhere to be found on any books. So for the next few days, I'm like, yeah, we're good. We're going home. Inside, I'm like, I don't know if we're ever going to leave this place. <laughs> and Delaney's like, what do we do? And Jonathan's like, I got to get home to my goats. Even leading up to the day of to get a salvoconducto, which is a safe passage from our hotel to the airport, we're trying to work with a congressman who's trying to give us this safe passage, but the government won't give it to him because they don't have this flight on their books. We got seats on something. So a friend from the Homeland Security called. He had come to church here one or two, one or two times a few years ago. He called and he, he said, man, man, how are you doing? You need anything? I said, man, I just need to know, is this plane real? Here's the number. Here's the, here's the times. Looked it up. He said, let me call you back. Call me back. He says, Customs has this plane on the books. Honduras didn't have it. It's got to land in their country. Thankfully, I can find peace in that. America has it. We laid down our efforts. I quit calling. I quit calling the embassy. They were no help, let me just tell you. They were writing a roadmap that had been unwritten. The senators, no help. Representatives, no help. But people on the ground who had a desire and were moved by the Spirit to respond just took care of our needs. He said, no, 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 you don't have to do it. Don't, don't worry about giving your names and calling her. Let me do it. It reminded me of another story. No, 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 you don't have to lay down your life. Let me do it, Jesus said. The moment we lay down our efforts and we just begin to raise our hands to God in worship and our hearts were mending and binding, bound to his Everything shifted. The atmosphere shifted. The environment shifted. Our situation shifted. Our understanding shifted. Our hope was elevated. Fear of the team reduced. Peace rested over every one of our team members. And God began to minister to us. Isn't it worth it? When we raise our hands to God, it's us saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. We're raising our palm fronds. And guess what more? We're saying, I'm not merchandising. You can see my hands. There's nothing in it that belongs to you. <laughs> if for nothing else, I don't want to look anything like Lucifer when it comes to worship. God, it's all yours. I give it all to you. I keep nothing for myself. For you, I give it all away. Can I pray for you? That's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, how can I use these instruments to serve you?
In a moment, we're gonna have a prayer team up here and I wanna encourage you to come forward during the last song because these are holy moments. The manifest presence of God is here. He is responding to our act of faith through prayer, the word, and worship. And in his presence, scripture tells us, is the fullness of joy. So if you need prayer for anything, I wanna encourage you to come forward in a moment when our team comes forward. Don't leave here with the burdens. Because I know this year and last year come with a lot of weight. And God today is ready to relieve you from that weight. He's ready to relieve you from those burdens. He's ready to begin a healing work in your body, in your soul, in your mind. God is a regenerative God. You may have a doctor's report that says one thing, but let me tell you, the great physician says another. You may have some relational wounds that are keeping you held back, but let me tell you, there's a Holy Spirit in this house that is full of emotional healing. You may have financial needs that have gone unmet. Let me tell you, the presence of God that's in this place owns the cattle on a thousand hills. All he's asking is for you to meet him in a place of faith. So Father, we just thank you so much for your presence, your manifest presence in our lives. Thank you for showing up when we act in faith towards you. Thank you even right now that you're ministering all across this room, that you ministered to us this morning in worship. Thank you that your glory is filling this house. Help us to be God-honoring leaders for our house so that we can grow your house. So come Holy Spirit and have your way and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.